0: Today we're actually kind of beginning a, a several-week series where we're going to be talking about the dynamics of Easter and the, the, the need for, like, what is salvation and how do you share the gospel and all these different types of things. And um, in the coming weeks, we're going to be doing a more in-depth look scripturally at Easter, kind of like what we did at Christmas, if you guys were here for that. Um, but today what I felt like I wanted to do, just to, what I felt like God was leading us to do to launch into this season is to talk about the gospel And I wanna begin by sort of telling you um, where I'm at in this journey. And I am not an evangelist. And if you know me at all personally, I have no problem talking about my faith. But I'm just not like someone who loves to go out into the mall and just share the gospel with whoever we see. And when we were in uh, Norman as youth pastors actually, Grant as the youth pastor would take our students out and they would go and see five, 10 students get saved like that, you know, at the mall and I'd be there with them and I would walk up to somebody and it was the person who was hurt by a church and every single time, you know, and I just started saying, Lord, I quit. I I don't know what else to do. Like, how do you, I don't want to be judgmental. So how do you find the people who don't know you? It's like, it's like spiritual profiling. Like I didn't want to do that. Um, And so it it wasn't, it wasn't a great look um, for me emotionally related to that. And I think I'm not alone in that. And the truth of the matter is that as I've grown as a believer, what I've come to realize is how many excuses we make to not share the gospel. And I'm standing up here as the queen of excuses. So I don't want anybody to feel like, wow, she's condemning me. I mean, no, I'm standing among you saying, I feel so convicted by the Lord that if I believe this, what am I doing about it? And it's not just, what am I doing about it for those who know Jesus? What am I doing about it for those who don't? And I don't have this scripture for you because I honestly wasn't planning on sharing it, but in worship I felt like the Lord was saying we needed to start by looking at John chapter 4. So if you've got your um, Bible app on your phone or you've got your Bible with you, go ahead and and bust that out. Um, We're going to be looking at John chapter 4, verses 34 and 35. And I'll just go ahead and, and read it to you. This is from the Amplified. That's where my translations are coming from today. And it says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to completely finish his work. Everybody say completely. Completely. So what does completely mean? Like all, right? If we're baking a cake and we stop it at 15 minutes, it's not going to taste good, right? We want to completely bake the cake so that we can enjoy it. Jesus is saying, I live, I live on, I'm sustained by, I crave the need to do my father's work completely. To do all of it, not just some. And then he says this statement. You guys have probably heard this before. In verse 35, he says, Do you not say, It's still four months until the harvest comes. He says, Look, I say to you, Raise your eyes and look at the fields and see they are white for harvest. Now, when Jesus was teaching culturally and in the context of when he, the red letters of your Bible, when he's doing the parables, often they were walking between cities. You know, I think I've shared with you guys before that Jesus's ministry, he averaged something around 20 to 25 miles a day walking around Israel. It's pretty crazy. So if you imagine, that takes a lot of time. So Jesus is walking and he's seeing things as they're walking, and he's using them as teaching principles. So when we get the scripture about the faith the size of a mustard seed, mustard bushes are everywhere in Israel. When we were there a few years ago, I mean, it was like, oh, no wonder you picked that, Lord. They're literally everywhere, and they were at that time as well. So it would be very easy for Jesus to say, what's faith like? What's, oh, it's like a window, because everybody's sitting here looking at it, right? And so when he says there, I imagine they're walking through fields, and he's saying to them, listen don't keep pushing it off don't keep delaying don't keep saying someday I'll be mature enough to not be awkward when I share the gospel he's saying look up now it's already time it's already white what does that mean when the crops ripen and they're ready to be harvested they turn white it's like cotton I don't believe they were talking about cotton but it's like cotton cotton is ready when you can see the white right and you get out there and you start harvesting it. And what Jesus is saying is the time is always now to reach people for him. It's literally always now. Now, not everyone is always ready now, but for those of us that are in him, the time is always now. Does that make sense? And I, I, I say this to you as a sister, as a friend, I'm wearing my mama knows best t-shirt for you as a mama in the house to say, listen, friends, the time is actually now. The time is now to end our excuses, to end our battle with the awkwardness, and to embrace what God has done. That's what we're gonna be exploring today. I thought I would tell you my top, most awkward experience sharing the gospel. So that way, um, none of you are gonna to top this. So you can just be like, wow, at least I'm not hurt. Um, we were, and I'm telling you, I, cold turkey evangelism is not my thing, okay, because I am the world's worst at who to pick, and it always goes terribly. So we were on a mission trip in Seattle years ago. I don't even think we had kids yet, and um, and we were walking down to some campus, and I was, you know, we were doing that thing where you're asking the Lord to highlight people for you, and so I'm like tuned in, I'm ready, I'm geared up, I'm feeling faithful, I'm like, people are going to get saved, look at all the harvest, it's white, like guns blazing, whatever, you know, the, the expression would be for you being excited and we're walking past this pizza parlor with a big storefront window and I see these two guys sitting together at a table this size it was so small and they're sitting apart from each other having a pizza and I am like struck by the lightning of God himself these are the people I'm supposed to share with Grant was there he can attest it was awful and so I'm like <gasps> and I see them in the window and I lost all spatial awareness have you ever had a moment like this I lost all social awareness. I lost everything. And I just walked into this restaurant and pulled up a chair next to the table in between them like this. Here's two people. I've never met them. They probably thought I was coming to abduct them like, like aliens or something. That's how awkward it was. And I sat down and I'm like, hi. And they're, they're going, what's your deal, girl? And I said, um, I, just, I just saw you in the window, and I just felt like God wanted you to know how much he loved you. And while the words are coming out of my mouth, all the awareness is coming back to me. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm realizing how horrendously awkward it is what I just did to these poor guys. And I'm like, God, look. Like, and it starts to disappear out of my mouth, which makes it a million times more awkward. And I'm going, so I don't, I, I, I don't know what, and I start fumbling over my words. I start getting really awkward. And I basically gave them a high five and walked out the door. <laughs> and, um, and the, you know, my friends who are like on the street, they're like, how was it? I was like, let's just keep walking. Let's, let's look for the next one. The fields are still white. While on the inside, I'm going, what is wrong with me? How is that so difficult? And what I, I tell you that story because some of you in the room are gifted for that style of evangelist, but those, those, you're a select few. And the like Grant, Grant's a select few, right? And I know there are others in here. But for those of you that are like me and you're going, I could never, today is for you okay? Today is for you so that we can learn how do we share the gospel because I don't want you in a pizza parlor like me in that moment. I want you having success as you articulate your faith. By the grace of God, I've learned a lot. Uh, I've actually been able to help people in their journey uh, with Jesus. And one of the things that's been the most instructional for me has been recognizing the weight of someone's choice is not on my shoulders, the burden to share is absolutely a burden that we walk with Jesus in. But what someone does with that is not my responsibility. Sometimes when we're going to share the gospel with people, that we begin to internalize the weight of what's happening, and then we just get real weird real fast. Anybody else? Maybe, maybe I'm alone in that. Maybe you guys are like, you know. But if that's what happens. And so when we release that burden off of ourselves, then we can begin to just be authentic about who we are. So that's what we're doing today. We're talking about what is salvation? How do we approach this? So John 10, I want us to look at the scripture, and some of this is familiar to you, um, and I've highlighted some things on here that are instrumental. So let's look at John 10, starting in verse 9. Jesus makes this statement. This is so bold. He says, I am the door. Who's the door? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the door. In this room, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven doors Seven doors in this room. That's a lot. So if anybody needs an exit, they're here, they're here, they're here. I feel like genie and Aladdin. So if I said to you, behind one of these doors is every spiritual blessing you can imagine. I have hidden gold nuggets. I have hidden the, what is that, Civil War... Uh, where are you, David Parker? You probably know the Civil War gold where they think that train sunk in the river. You guys know what I'm talking about on the History Channel? Anyways, it's like I found it and I put it in this room for you, and I, it's behind one of these doors. Only one of those doors is gonna hide the blessing. Only one of them. So we could believe all we want. Every door has a blessing behind it, but only one of these doors has the blessing. Amen? And that door has a name. What's the name on that door? Jesus, he is saying it declaratively right now. I, Jesus, am the door. Nobody, this is not the scripture, but nobody gets to the Father except through him. We can walk through any door we want to, guys. You have been given that blessing in life, but they're not going to lead there to the eternal place of riches unless it's the door marked Jesus. So this is what he's saying. I am the door. Anyone who enters through me will be saved and will live forever and will go in and out freely and find pasture which the Amplified interprets as spiritual security. And then he says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, we know this verse, this is our verse for the year, I came that they may have life and enjoy it and have it in what? Abundance, Abundance, to the full, till it overflows. All right, let's go to the next scripture. It goes on to say, Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd, why is this important? A lot of other religions out there have the idea of a shepherd. They have uh, like spirit guides. They have people who are leading you and Jesus is making the statement. Listen guys, you can't get there except through my door. You can't get there except through my leading. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down, his own life for the sheep. But the hired man who merely serves for wages, who is neither the shepherd nor the owner of the sheep, when he sees the wolf coming, he deserts the flock and runs away, and the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. The man runs because he is a hired hand who serves only for wages and is not concerned about the safety of the sheep. Now, I don't want to dive into this too much, but one thing I love about this is Jesus is talking about himself. He's having a boastful moment, right? A healthy, healthy boastful moment because only he can do that because he's God, yeah? And so he's basically saying, listen, I'm going to be there for you you. I'm the good shepherd because no matter what is coming at you, I can deal with it. I love that. And then this is the last part of this passage. He echoes again, I'm the good shepherd and I know without any doubt those who are my own and my own know me and have a deep personal relationship with me, even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my very own life, sacrificing it for the benefit of the sheep. I have other sheep besides these that are not of this fold. I must bring those also, and they must listen to my voice and pay attention to my call, and they will become one flock with the shepherd. What's he saying here? He's talking right now that the, the goal of the gospel is relationship with God. That's the goal. So if you look at church history, okay, in America... There's a lot of our history related to the gospel that deals with what we might call like fire and brimstone. And in today's world, in the postmodern world, we have a real hard time with this message. And I, I want to talk for a little bit about the issue of hell, because the reality is, until we make peace with this in our own heart, we, we, it's one of those excuses. It's like plausible deniability. If I don't really look at it, then I don't feel burdened to do anything about someone else's salvation, and I don't have to share the gospel, and it becomes an excuse. But I want us to dive in and look at this, because I'm not going to tell you right now that God is a vengeful, wrathful God. Why? Because that's not true scripturally he has dumped all of the punishment for our sin onto Jesus at the cross here's where it gets interesting Reinhard Bonnke would say it like this if this is a bar of soap it sits right here and you can stand next to the soap but you won't be clean until you apply the soap to your life Jesus has paid for the sins of the world but it doesn't apply until we take it on that's where sharing the gospel comes in does this make sense So um, there was a study that happened, you guys know I love statistics, I don't even do math, so I don't know why I like statistics, but I think I like to feel concrete about things. So there was a study of the evangelical church, which, uh, you know, it's not really charismatic, so maybe a lot of us wouldn't fit into this study, but it was a 20-year study, and it ended in 2016, okay, so this is about 25 years ago, and this is what it said, 71% of Christians 25 years ago believed that hell was real. Fast forward 25 years, 58% of Christians believe that. In fact, that was in 2016. In my opinion, now, just four years later, it's even less than that. Because we've been hearing teaching from some people about the, what they call a disappearance of hell, that maybe that's not what Jesus was talking about, that it doesn't apply to people, et cetera, et cetera. And the fruit of that is that we don't do anything with our faith. So the Bible tells us to judge our beliefs by the fruit they bear, Right? to judge our teaching by the fruit they bear. If I'm teaching anything that's not bearing fruit, you guys have permission to come and tell me, girl, you're wrong. That's what the Bible tells us. That's how we hold each other accountable. So this teaching about what to do with hell, in my opinion, has been softening the church. We've been not understanding our authority, and therefore, the American church is not exploding rapidly like it should. It's not about waiting until a certain thing happens. The fields are white for harvest now. All over the world, there's an explosion of the gospel. It's just not happening here in America yet. And I think one of the enemy's tactics in that has been to make us not feel urgent. It doesn't really matter. You know, some people believe, well, you're just going to go to dust when you die if you don't know Jesus. And so, so there you go. But I want us to look at this because we've got we to settle this issue. Matthew 25, um, actually starting in verse 39, which we're not going to show, Jesus does this whole uh, message about hell. So if you're interested in this, I encourage you to to read this portion of Scripture. We're going to start in verse 41. Matthew 25, verse 41. Jesus has gathered all the people. He's talking about, someday I'm going to gather all the people. I'm going to separate them into sheep and goats. The sheep reflect those who know him. The goats reflect those who are rebellious and don't want to know him. Okay? So he says, Then he will say to those to his left, these are the goats, Leave me, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his demons. This is what I want us to see. Hell was not created for people. It wasn't. It actually, if you look at the timeline of the Bible, hell was not actually created until after the creation of the world. It was created to do something with the demonic who had fallen at that time. So what does this tell us? God did not create hell excited to put people there. It was never in his heart. He created it as a place for eternal torment for the demonic, for the principalities, for those who knew what we don't know as people, for those who are angels, right? That's what he created it for, so that they could have discipline. But unfortunately, sin exists in the world today as well. And so then he goes on to say this. So I I think this is important for us to understand. Why was it created? Not for you, okay? He prepared it for for the devil and his angels' demons. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. Naked and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison and you didn't come visit me. With help and ministering care is what that implies. And then he continues to say, then also they'll turn to the sheep and they'll answer, sorry, and then the the goats will turn to him and, uh, okay, let me rephrase. Then they also in their turn will answer, Lord, did we see you hungry or thirsty? as a stranger or naked or sick or in prison, and we didn't minister to you? And then he will reply, I assure you and most solemnly say, to the extent that you did not do it for one of the least of my followers, you didn't do it for me. Then these unbelieving people will go away into eternal punishment, and those who are righteous and in right standing with God will go into his remarkable grace, into eternal unending life with the help uh, help and ministering care. Now here's what I want us to understand. There's mystery surrounding hell in the Bible. Actually, Jesus, more than any other person in the Bible, talked about hell, and he talked about hell more than he talked about heaven, just verse for verse, okay? But he leaves an air of mystery around it. So what we know for sure is that hell was created not for people, right? It wasn't, we are not destined to go there. It is not God's heart that people end up there. What we also don't know for sure is is it eternal punishment for humans? We know it's eternal punishment for the demonic, we don't know, it's not black and white, that like you know, you're know, you gonna be like burning flesh for the rest of eternity, right? That there's some speculation about that. But what we do know is that if you don't know Jesus, you're not going to the eternal place with him. So what we have to make peace with, and I'm saying this to you because I've struggled with this in my own journey as well. What we have to make peace with is a loving God who is not purposefully sending anyone there. A couple years ago, we had an interesting situation where several of our friends um, had had read this particular book, and they began to kind of go down this road, and and, I mean, I'm talking a lot of friends started believing, how could a loving God send people to hell, and it was enough to make them question who God is? And I wrestled with that, too, because it's, you know, just logically, it's like, well, okay, so if you're a morally good person, but you're not like a murderer, you end up there, like, this doesn't make any sense. But then I was asking the Lord about it, and he said this to me, Rachel, I don't send Anyone to hell. People choose not to come with me. This is the distinction that we have to understand. God is not in his mercy going, ah, too bad for you, roll the dice, you know, unfortunate, go that way, right? No, he is doing everything he can to get everyone there. Let's look at it like this 2 Peter, sorry, Thomas is out of order. 2 Peter 3 9. The Lord is not, this is Peter talking about this. And I feel like if anybody understands Jesus, Peter does, right? He was living with him. He was, gave his life for him. He surrendered everything for him. And he says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Now catch this, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So what is the breakdown? I'm just going to be bold and tell you the breakdown is me and you. It's not God saying, I'm just indifferent about whether you're coming to, with me in eternal paradise. It is us being indifferent, amen? It is our choice to let the excuses be greater than the awkwardness of sitting with someone in Seattle at a pizza parlor. It's our decision to say, I don't know if I have all the answers for you, and therefore I'm just going to kind of hope someone else will go. And the reason why people are ending up not where they're destined to is not God's fault, it's the church's. Because we have been given the command. Let's look at it like this. Romans um, chapter 10. Okay. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, you might read this and say to me, Rachel, I'm not sent. I'm not an evangelist. And I thank you, Garland, for chuckling at me. I'm just going to tell you, just very vulnerably and honestly, I have told myself this so much. I'm not one of those. But this is the truth. Matthew 28. Jesus stands before all his disciples, the introverted, the extroverted, the awkward, the ambiverts, everybody. And he sends all of them No one is exempt, guys. You might not be someone who's destined to be like an evangelist in crusades, reaching thousands and thousands to come to the Lord. You may only be assigned one, but let me tell you, you better get that one. Because eternity matters, guys. I want to tell you a story, uh, and this is such an interesting story to me. I I was um, really burdened a few years ago about this. This is a cyclical thing for me, just so you know, this issue of of how to share the gospel. Because I'm not natural at it, okay? So I have to deal with this in my flesh all the time. And I was in another one of these seasons, and I said, God, what can I do? Because you know if I walk up to the mall, I'm going to find the one person who was burned by a pastor, and I'll get to minister to them, and that's amazing. That's part of my calling, but that's not the gospel, right? That's not sharing the gospel. And he said, when you drive down Fourth Street, it was like from um, around Santa Fe to Telephone Road. He said, I want you praying in tongues that whole drive. Some of you may have heard this story before. I said, okay, that's awkward, but you know, whatever. It's interesting is a better way to say it. So when I would hit right before Santa Fe, I would just start praying in tongues. Should have bought a Honda. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) But I start praying in the spirit (laughs) as I'm driving, right? I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea why. I just knew I'm supposed to do this. Every day, about six weeks goes by. And um, I had some relationships with people through my kids' school and stuff like that who I knew didn't go to church. I knew they didn't really know Jesus, but I wasn't really, you know, cold turkey asking them because reasons, I told you already. So, um, So anyways, I got a Facebook message about six weeks into this from this lady. And she says, hey, when I look at you, it's like you believe your faith, I see your Facebook, I see you in real life, and I think you might be the only person that I know that lives out their genuine faith. And I'm going, what? This is Oklahoma City, guys. And she said, would you be, I, I used to go to church as a kid, I don't even know if I'm saved, would you be willing to have lunch with me and, and like, let me ask you questions about salvation? And I was like, yes, because then I have a seat at the table, I don't have to insert myself, like, yes, I can do that. <laughs> And what ended up happening was she, regave, she gave her life to Jesus again. All of her kids got saved. Eventually her husband got saved because I was obedient to pray in the spirit. Here's what I found out at that lunch. Her house is literally a block off of that stretch of road. I don't know what I was praying. I was praying in the spirit. I was praying the will of God is what the Bible says, right? But God knew he was orchestrating. He was listening to the cry of my precious awkward heart and he was making it easy for me. Why? Because the fields are white with harvest. What would it look like in your life if every single one of us as a family said, listen, we've got to do something about someone in our life. There's got to be someone I know at my school, at my job, somewhere that doesn't know Jesus. What would it look like if we just spoke up about our faith? So the issue of hell is a big one we've got we've to deal with. Um, i make sure I said everything about that. Oh, uh, let's put it this way. One more thing I want to say about this. Romans 6, verse 23, okay? I don't have this one up here. Romans 6, verse 23. You guys may have heard this before. It says, for the wages of sin is death. What does that mean? When we walk in disobedience of any kind... Death has to be paid for that. Actually, we're going to get into this a lot in the coming weeks about the blood sacrifice system that God created. It's some pretty fascinating stuff and how Jesus became the final sacrifice on our behalf. So that's a spoiler for you. Um, But here's the thing. The wages of sin is death. What does that mean? Every single human on the face of the earth has to pay for their choices. Jesus, because of his great mercy, because of his loving kindness, he actually paid that for you. If I said to you, I have raised all of the money to pay off your mortgage today, and it is right here, and all you have to do is walk through this door, you have to have the belief in your heart to walk through this door in the name of Jesus, right? That's it. And all of it's paid for. All of it's paid for. If I said that to you, you'd be like, sign me up. I think most people around us want help with their life. They want to know there's a place of peace. There might be challenges with, you know, like a lot of people I talk to that don't know Jesus, it's like, the virgin birth confounds me. I'm like, it confounds us all. Don't believe just because somebody doesn't have a problem with it. They're it's by faith that we're choosing it, right? We're still trying to figure out, what does that look like? How does he turn these miracles? What does that even do? I mean, they're, like we're all still, it's a by faith choice. So we can't let ourselves be hung up on what we don't understand, what we do understand is that there is a payment that's due, and we have to be willing to say to someone, listen, that payment has already been made for you. Amen. Would you want to apply it to your life, guys? Amen. Do you want to come through this door? Ephesians chapter uh, 1, verse 3, it says like this, Blessed be the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What does this mean? Those blessings exist in him. You cannot get them if you're not in him. The peace you're looking for, the freedom you're looking for, the breakthrough for the worry, everything, the healing you need, it's all behind the door, marked Jesus. I think as Oklahomans, let's just be really practical for a second, I think we have to begin to understand there are people around us who are not living in the same place of blessing that we are. There are people around us, even here in the buckle of the Bible belt, who aren't experiencing it because they haven't walked through the door. Our job is not to push them across the threshold. Our job is to make sure they know where it is, Amen. right? We can release ourselves from the burden. So let's get practical. How do you do that? Just how, how do you, like, what do you say? I think that's another big struggle that we have. What do we say? The first thing I would tell you in sharing the gospel is be normal, Everybody just breathe a sigh of relief, like, thank you, God. Be normal. If you have a challenge with something, you have a challenge with something. Don't fake it. Don't be like, well, I believe the virgin birth when you're sitting there going, this makes no sense scientifically to me, or however it, you know. I just use that one because I know a lot of people really struggle with that. Be normal about it. Like, like I love listening to people when they're sharing the gospel and they, they say stuff like this. Let's just take the virgin birth since I've already mentioned that. You know, I struggle with that, too. That's, to me, that's where faith comes in. And it's like now all of a sudden you're lessening that. We're not trying to argue with someone. We're not debating them. Listen, the Bible tells us, the book of Psalms tells us, it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. Very few, if ever, anyone got saved because we had an apologetic debate, right? I'm going to prove to you the scripture. And, and why? Because salvation is about relationship. Amen. Jesus said it himself. Listen, I'm going to say, I knew you. The ones who don't get into heaven, he's going to say, I didn't know you. We didn't have a relationship. So we're not trying to get people saved so they can escape hell. To me, that's just the completely wrong motivation. We're getting people saved so they can meet their maker, so they can have a relationship, so they can have a, a help for their problems, amen? So they can have a life source flowing inside of them, every spiritual blessing, etc. So when we come to that conversation with the gospel, if, you, if you're if you going, okay, I know someone in my life right now, somebody at my job what do I do what do I say this is what you say hey you know we've been friends for a long time and I don't think I've ever asked you do you go to church anywhere I don't think I've ever asked you do you do you like what's your like church life I know everybody around here in Oklahoma has a story with the church so what's your story And you can diffuse that challenge of going, I have a neighbor who, um, you know, we've been living there for over two years, and I've never actually talked to them uh, really at all. And when we've talked, we've never really talked about how we're a pastor, or there's a church that we go to, or any of that kind of stuff. And I've been really burdened by this, trying to figure out, how do I bridge that gap when we're so familiar with each other now, right? And this is how you do it. You just pull those walls down. You be normal. You be yourself. Hey, listen, do you have a church that you go to? Have you thought about it? Here's a great one, because it's Easter. Do you have somewhere you're going for Easter? If you don't, I'd love to invite you to come with me. You might be saying, Rachel, I don't know how to articulate the gospel. And I would say to you, that's fine. Just bring them in the building. And those that love to do this, alert them, <laughs> right? Alert them. I love how one pastor says the church, the four walls of the church is the zoo and out there is the jungle. This is the safe place to use and practice your giftings, right? So that we go out there in the pizza parlors of Seattle and we fail miserably and then we come back to our own and lick our wounds and all that, um, just kidding. But, uh, but that's how we do it. Like, when you, when, if you're going, I just know I can invite somebody and that's as good as I can do, do that. Do that. Don't put pressure on yourself to be Billy, the next Billy Graham. Don't put pressure on yourself to be who you've looked at as the evangelistic person. Just be you and just be authentic about doing something with your faith. Amen. So the second component, be normal and tell your testimony. listen. We have this restaurant, a a breakfast spot that we love, and it's called Flint. It's in the, what hotel is it in? I should even know this. Thank you, guys. The Colcord Hotel. They have the best biscuits in Oklahoma City. I don't even like biscuits, and I'm just going to tell all of you, do yourself a favor and go dine on the biscuits at Flint. Grant and I like to go there on Friday mornings. There's no one there. It feels like it's like rented just for us. It's hilarious. And the first time we went, the waitress said, you know, you get a side of bread with this. What's the bread sides? Well, you can do sourdough, rye, uh, you know, French bread. Oh, we have these biscuits. They're kind of a house famous. This is how she said it. They're kind of like we're famous for them. And we're going, well, let's try the biscuits, right? We eat these biscuits, and I think this must be what manna from heaven tasted like when it came down. (laughs) I think the angels that were there with us began to sing, and I was ready to have an altar call and take communion, and if I could get these biscuits for our next communion, I would, um, because they were so good, okay? And now you all are going, I think I need to try these. Yeah. Why? Because I'm telling you my testimony about a biscuit that they put this little grilled charred thing on the top, so it's like fluffy, but it's also crunchy, right? Right? What if I told someone my testimony about how I used to struggle with feeling rejected every day of my life? And then this one day, I met this biscuit. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But do you guys understand what I'm saying? I can whet your appetite over a restaurant like that. I can whet your appetite to meet somebody like that because we can tell the testimony of what it did for me. And all of a sudden, you want that for yourself. That's the power every single one of you are holding right now. The story of how God met you, regardless of what it was, is important for the people in your sphere. So you might be saying, man, I've known these people for six, seven, ten years. I've never told them my testimony. Here's how you say it. Uh, My pastor really challenged me to say to the people in my life what God had done for me. Would you be willing to just listen for like two minutes while I tell you? And practice it. Practice it in the shower. Practice it on your drive there so that you're not fumbling over your words, right? You can articulate it. But tell them the story because the gospel is designed to be tasted. The gospel is designed to be seen. It's designed to have a life structure around it. And I'm just going to tell you, you are that life structure. You are. When we unapologetically just live our life with Jesus, other people want to do the same. They do. I think we just need to kind of let this sit in for a minute because the reality is in Oklahoma City we've got like 1.2 million people that make up all the surrounding metros that doesn't include Norman so maybe in the in the whole what we would consider Oklahoma City area it's like 1.4 million people and I don't know about you but there's a lot of them who maybe they had an experience with Jesus at one point in time but they're not walking in relationship with him I don't know that I could say that my life calling is to bring people like, in the process of salvation, but I know my life calling is to help people know him. And essentially that's the same thing, right? And so if we're letting go of our excuses, if we're moving everything out of the way, if we're standing before God and saying, Jesus, you told me the fields are white for harvest, then what are we gonna do about it, friends? What are we gonna do about it? I, I'm kind of like, you know, the truth is that at the end of our life, we're going to stand before God, and we're going to give an account, right? This moment that Jesus is talking about, when he's, we're going to give an account, he's going to divide us between the sheep and the goats. And we don't like to think about that, because, you know, we like to live a life that's free of consequences. And the amazing thing is that when you are in Christ Jesus, when you have accepted that salvation, he no longer sees the sin in your life. So he actually sees you as you were designed by God. It's mind-blowing. And I think we have to come to this place of saying, if we love that, don't you think other people need and want that too? So it's Easter season. It's the time in our lives where people kind of begin to think about God just a little bit. Christmas and Easter are two of those parts where if you're not a regular follower of Jesus, you kind of like, it's intriguing to you, right? It's everywhere, so you kind of think about it a little bit more. So I'm telling you right now, there's a harvest available around your life. Are you willing to help reap it? Are you willing to point people to where Jesus is? I'm, I'm going to be doing that. I'm challenging myself. I've been doing it. I've been giving myself a spanking, for lack of a better word. You know, just like, get out, get you know, like get on it, girl. Because we have to get out of the religious thinking. We have to get out of the thinking that everybody knows where church is. Grant and I have talked about this extensively. When God called us to plant this church, we both said, What? Why? Why another church? They're everywhere, Lord. And God had said to Grant, um, he said, you know, it's not that, that we need another church, because everybody knows where the churches are. He said, if the people want, they need someone to come to them and show them who God is. If they wanted to be in church, they would be there. Sorry, I'm kind of botching your amazing experience with the Lord. But that's the truth, right? All of us who know somebody, they would be in church if they wanted to be. There's no shortage to find where to go. So I'm just, this is the last thing I'll say, and I'm harping on this a bunch, but I just want to encourage all of us to step into our faith and say, maybe, just maybe, God wants to use me to be the example of what it looks like to walk with him. Maybe God wants to use the power of the testimony in my life and in your life to be able to whet someone's appetite to lean in a little bit more, and then God takes over. And if you do that and they say no, you release yourself from the burden. Jesus told his disciples like this, wipe the dust off your feet. What does that mean? Forget the experience. You're like carrying out of their house someone who didn't want the message, right? And and then he's like, wipe the dust off your face. And it's a metaphor. It's actually a physical, literal thing as well. But let go of that experience because you're going to go into new houses that do want the message. And if we're carrying the burden of all of our failed attempts, it's that much harder to step out. Amen? So here's how we're going to end this morning. We're going to put on a little bit of music, and I just want to encourage you. If you're like going, I hate this message, Rachel, it's fine, okay? I'll pray for you, right? We, we can still be friends, okay? I don't want us to like, this is not worth stumbling over. But I think most of us are feeling a little bit convicted. That's my hope. I think most of us are feeling a little bit like, I don't know what to do, God, but I feel like I should do something, and that's the goal of what this morning is about, I'm gonna let Jesus be your Lord. I'm not gonna tell you exactly what it needs to look like. I'm gonna let him do that because he knows what he's doing, amen? So here's what I want us to do. Just if if you're ready to hear from the Lord and have him direct you, just close your eyes for a second. And we're just gonna ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Lord, who is the person that you want me to share with right now? God, would you put someone on my heart? And then also, Lord, I need you to tell me what to say to them. (coughs) Lord, we want to be a part of reaping your harvest in Oklahoma. We don't want to sit idly by and just assume that everybody has tasted who you really are. We want to be a part of being the bread, of offering the biscuit. And so, Father, I'm asking that you would make us a bold people this morning. You would make us a passionate people. And, Lord, we, if you've been someone who has had a lot of, like, um, excuses and you know that, I just invite you to just picture yourself putting those excuses at his feet. It might be hard, Lord, but I know it's worth it. So this morning we give you our excuses, we give you our, our reasons for why we're not a good fit for this we give you our insecurities, we give you our introvertedness, we give you our awkwardness Lord and its place we just receive you and if you're willing, I just invite you to pray this prayer Jesus, I give you permission to use me. I give you permission to use my words In Jesus' name. I wanna say one more thing before we go this morning. I don't know where everybody is here. I don't know where you're at in your journey with Jesus, but here's what I know. The love of God is so rich. It's so powerful. It is the thing you've been longing for. It is the thing you've been looking for. And it might be messy as you step out in faith, but it's available for you today. So if you would say this morning, you don't know. I I don't know if I'm in the sheep or the goats. I don't know where I'm at with Jesus. And I just invite you, think about it. Give your heart to the Lord. Give him an opportunity to do something in your life to show himself to you. Because it's worth it, guys. And if you need somebody to talk to, I'm available. I know Grant's more than willing as well. Um, Or we can point you to somebody who is, who can help you kind of sort through the questions that you have. But I just bless every person in here to be bold, radical believers, to be authentic about doing something with your faith. And um, listen, guys, I'm I'm just boldly asking you, let's bring people to church. Let's bring them into your life. Let's do something with our faith. Amen? All right. I love you guys. If you need prayer for anything specific, come on up. Otherwise, have an awesome week.